Come spend an afternoon or the entire day with the lovable Ewoks. Where is my limo? Good. Okay, come on, guys. And now, ladies and gentlemen, while you are a captive audience, a display of tremendous tap dancing talent with the added cultural component of... W... Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 701, and together, as we have been since 2005, we're going to continue to celebrate the magic of the Disney parks, movies, Marvel, Star Wars, and more here on the podcast, my weekly live video, events, blog, and more. And please be sure to join the community and conversation subscribe to the podcast and find everything else at www.radio.com. This week, we're going to look back on the Disney year in review as we explore and examine our top 10 Disney moments of 2022, including the people, places, magic, memories, and you. Then stay tuned for our Disney trivia question of the week and more updates at the end of the show. And if you like what you hear, please share the show and tell a friend So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Just when you think the year in Disney can't get any weirder and wilder and wackier and wonderful, 2022 says, hold my... LeFou's Brew. What a long, strange trip it has been. Uh, You are right, Jerry. And 2022 did not disappoint. It surprised us and delighted us, treated us, and sometimes even shocked us. And there was so much that happened throughout the year in the Disney parks and movies and Disney Plus, Marvel and Star Wars universes that we literally cannot cover it all. But this week, we're going to examine and explore the top 10 Disney moments from 2023. I'm getting ahead of myself. From 2022. And joining me this week are some people who I spent a lot of time and sometimes money with in 2022. Ladies in alphabetical order, I want to welcome back to the show Lisa DiNardo Glasner from The Castle Run. Thanks for having me back. The one. The only, the incomparable and indomitable Becky Mankin, queen of MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Oh my gosh, that was that was actually hard to follow. But I thought you said alphabetical order, so I was ready for it a second ago. But I digress. It's great to be here. <laughs> we go by last name. This is America. I we do last Noto name. And, Glasner <laughs> and he said ladies. So I was hoping he wasn't including me on that list. I mean, I don't identify as that. I identify as a transformer in 2023. (laughs) And that is, of course, the one and only Jeremiah Good from LaughingPlace.com. 
Good day, Lou. How are you? I'm great. It is good to see you all again in what, as I said, has been um, a very interesting year. Without thinking about it, in the same order, give me one word to describe 2022 in the Disney context. Is roller coaster one word? For for today's purposes, yes. Yes, it is. Surprising? Okay. Becky is literally thumbing through her her hotel room thesaurus as we're as we're sitting here. I don't have a good single word. A whole lot of nothing. That's that's my best. <laughs> so Lisa's word is nothing. It's going to be an interesting show. A whole lot of it. <laughs> a whole lot of it. With a lot Here's of the top ten of Lisa. <laughs> Were you not paying attention? <laughs> oh, I have a two page list. Oh, so. And yeah, I no, I have a two-page list, but I feel like I have nothing to say. <laughs> so, you know, when I when I wrote the idea of, of wanting to sort of do the one word, I I was like, all right, I get, I'm going to have to answer it for myself. And so many different things came to mind. Like I thought about, you know, the process of going to the parks right now, and I'm like, the process of going to the parks and the year as a whole was somewhat complicated. Um, the process of going to the parks and the reaction online made me think about those fans protected by that veil of anonymity. Twitter, I'm looking at you. The word harsh came to be. Um, I thought about how much has transpired. Change came to mind, how it still remains magical, that word. Um, I also obviously was, and we're going to talk about this too, being cognizant of how very difficult the times have been for the individuals and the company and the financials and, and like Walt himself, I thought about the word resilient, but I think in terms of choosing the good and more importantly, looking forward and the word that I chose is evolving. I think Disney is very much evolving. So what I wanted to do this week is I wanted to go around the table and and go through what you feel are the most important and or impactful, interesting, innovative, or just plain intriguing moments of 2022. And there's certainly going to be overlap in our top 10-ish list. And I always, you know, I always still believe in, in ladies first, and we don't talk about this ahead of time. But clearly there's one thing that is going to be on all of our lists. And I'm trying to decide... Is it sort of the number one thing that we need to get out of the way and just address the the gigantic elephant in the room? Or do we save it for last because I think it also represents a, a bit of optimism for the future? As I was saying, get it out of the way first. You all sort of nodded your head like we just need to address this uh, quickly. And obviously, it is the a tale of two bobs, the, the Chapek and the Iger. And this certainly could be an entire show. I don't want this to be the entire show, but I would like to hear your relatively succinct uh, thoughts about not just what happened and and how it affected 2022, but what this may or may not represent today and going forward. And will you, for, for this first one, we'll do the same order, uh, Lisa, Becky, and Jeremiah. So I think we were all nodding because otherwise we would just be awkwardly referencing it the entire time and waiting to see which one of us was going to actually, you know, bring it up. So I guess just attacking it head on, even though it's one of the more recent changes, um, is probably smart. 
You know, I, I think it's interesting in a lot of ways that I'm sure we all probably agree on. I think, um, you know, as far as just the overall spirit of the company and, and the mindset of the company and the creativity of the company, it's, um, you know, it, it's a change that was that was welcome on most fronts, um, because I think that, you know, what Iger has, has, has shown to be his priorities differ a bit from what perhaps we thought Chapex priorities were and, um, you know, whether or not they're more in line with the vision of the company as a whole, I think we're, we're all pretty in tune. We're thinking that, that Iger is, is a, is a good change. Um, that being said, I think, um, you know, the word scapegoat comes to mind to some extent, you know, when you're talking about JPEX time with the company, he came in at an extremely difficult time, um, you know, and, and had to make some really difficult decisions. Um, and, and, a lot of time was scapegoated for what were more complicated issues. So I'm I'm curious to see sort of how we forge forward without an easy black and white blame for the things that we do or don't like um, about the company and and the path that it's taking. Yeah, but like everybody else, I think I think it was a good thing, and I'm eager to see what's to come. Becky. I completely agree with everything Lisa just said, and I'm really curious how long it's going to be before the honeymoon is over for Iger's return. Um, I do think that JPEG was dealt a very difficult hand of cards and not only taking the reins of the company and then da 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 pandemic where everything shuts down and nobody's ever gone through something like that before in this company. Um, I do feel the lifted spirits and the lifted morale of of the cast members at this point now that uh, Iger has returned because he does have so much uh, better grasp, I guess I'm going to say this without really knowing of the creatives and of, of the cast members and the people themselves, which I think, especially after what we've been through the past two and a half years was very much needed, even though there does need to be a focus on the financials because clearly the company went through a difficult financial time. Um, I'm very optimistic about how the company goes forward because, again, the the morale is just up and over the moon right now, and I hope that stays. Um, I, I just know that there's a lot of difficult decisions that still need to be made to uh, to get the company back on on financial track. So I guess it's a wait and see. Jeremiah? You know those times where you have to follow two amazing women that put everything perfectly and then you have to make something unlike it's sensible. Yeah. Um, I actually wrote down for this, the Sunday switch because mm -hmm. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to liken this to what I'm about to liken it to as something serious, but we all know where we were in those special times or those tragic times such as nine 11 and those. And I can vividly remember driving home from Olive Garden and my phone blowing up on Sunday night and getting out and looking and having 20 texts all about this and everything. Um, you know, Lou, you and I are in kind of a awkward position because we had the chance to get to know Bob Chapek in a different light than a lot of people. And I'm not defending anything he did. Uh, I'm not saying I know anything that he did better than anybody else, but like Becky was saying, and Lisa was also saying, we won't know everything about this ever, but I'm not, I don't think he ever had the company as I'm going to find a way to destroy every bit of this, which 
some websites and as you said, Twitter were fondly screaming at the top of their lungs even before he became in charge. But I I do agree with both the ladies that having Bob Iger back in charge has already put, you know, the rainbow over the Walt Disney World has gotten much brighter. And I look forward to what we have to come in the new year, especially since, you know, he took, he's barely been in office a month. And really most of that has been holiday time. And, you know, he did, he had his nice little um, town hall. And I was lucky enough to hear some of it where his number one answer to most of the questions were, Hey, it's my first day on the job. I got to find out what's going on. So I think, after the new year, come like second week of January, we'll start to see more of what the company will be going forward for the next two years, two and a half years, or however long it takes him to fix everything and then find somebody else to take his spot. So I, I really want to focus not necessarily on the past, but I think where we are right now, which is this this promise of an excitement for the future, because we look back at what Iger did while he was here during his first tenure and what he may be able to bring back um, growth oppor- opportunities, revenue stabilization, a creative, which which Bob Chapek clearly was not. Bob Chapek was brought in to do a very specific job, which was to help write a financial ship. And, you know, he was given the keys to the house, and it was like, oh, by the way, here's a pandemic, got to go by. Um, so he had a very challenging thing, and you're right, Jeremiah. We, we sort of I, – I am frustrated for him that he never got to let Disney fans see the side of him that we did. But it's, never, it's not here nor there because you, you can't unscramble that egg, so it, it doesn't matter. I, too, as a Disney fan and as somebody who has remarkable respect and admiration for – Bob Iger, what he did while he was here, and even before he came to the Disney company, on a professional level, um, the few encounters I've had with him is just seeing his presence is very different. That being said, we are in this honeymoon phase, and I think expectations have to be set appropriately because since the day he came in, it's like, oh, it's 71 degrees outside. You can thank Bob Iger. That's the, this beautiful weather here at Disney World. It's Bob Iger. So, and it's wonderful that that attribution is given to him for a lot of things, including this this outside sort of subjective appearance of and, and knowing some cast members, even this internal um, sense of improved morale. But I think it's really important that we, once sort of the, the dust settles and we step into the new year and it starts to become business again, and he has to take care of the business of running the business, that we have proper perception of promise in terms of what we hope and what we expect Bob Iger to do. I, I think this is a wonderful change. It is one that I am looking forward to and one that I am I'm very excited to watch as it progresses uh, throughout the new year and for the duration of his tenure. And then even thinking ahead, who does he pass the baton to next? I think there will be some very interesting conversations about who is going to be in the conversation to take over from Iger when his time, which as of right now, based on this contract is limited in the company. So um, I know a lot of people have a lot of different 
opinions, but I think the overall, taking the temperature of the overall Disney fan community, it is one of of great excitement, uh, myself included. So with that out of the way, with the bobs out of the way, now let's go through the rest of your lists. We'll keep in that same order. Uh, Becky, sorry, Lisa, Becky, Jeremiah. So if we're really trying to do this as a top 10, I'm going to feel a little bit more entitled to do like more subsuming <laughs> answers than I might otherwise do. Um, and so the very first thing that I'm going to go to is the return of sort of close contact interaction entertainment, which is a long list of things because it covers both close both both close contact between guests and cast and also amongst cast. So a lot of things that cast couldn't do, like perform in the hoop-dee-doo review or um, perform Fantasmic or perform in the new Finding Nemo, um, you never could have done you know, before before this, this sort of somewhat post-pandemic era. Um, and then at the same time, um, getting back things like character hugs and character dining and um, those sort of close, those close interactions that we've gotten back is going to be going to be my number one. I think it's really interesting. And, and obviously I agree because I too am a hugger and it's not just about seeing the characters again, but it is to your specific point, being able to get close to them without, you know, the masks were this physical and subconscious barrier between us and when they were removed and when we can see smiles again and we can have that physical contact again with characters and with each other. Um, you're right. It, it's a very, very different feeling in the parks, not just for us as guests, but I think for the characters as well. And it's interesting because I'm not even like a huge character person. Like I enjoy them, but I'm not one to like wait in line for an hour and a half at a party to meet a certain rare character and get a picture with them. But there's something to being able to take that mask off and give them a hug. And even even just the fact that like when I have a mask on, I'm less likely to to talk to people because I read lips a lot when I talk, I have found. And so it's very challenging for me to just interact with somebody in that way. And so being able to see the cast interact with each other in that way again, and also be able to interact with them has been really wonderful. Yeah, I that was definitely one of mine was just the character hugs. Um, I mean, it, like you said, it is it brings the Disney magic back in a special way. And I can remember my first character hug back. Uh, it was with Chewbacca, and it was one of those times where we were all so hesitant and. <laughs> Uh, it was, I walked up to the character host and I was like, can, can I hug Chewbacca? And the character host, of course, did the perfect job of, well, ask Chewbacca. And I walked up and, you know, a Wookiee hug is probably one of the best character hugs you could ever have. And it was just so amazing. And, you know, I think we all took that for granted. Now we're back in the normal world where we can do it when we're walking down the street of Main Street and run into, you know, the Lou Mangello character and just hug him. It's like a little, it's like a little Ewok hug. <laughs> same, same thing here. Um, removing of the masks. I, I didn't realize how much I relied on smiles to keep my, my own energy and my own happiness elevated. I was walking through the airport yesterday and realizing, hey, I can look up and smile at people. I'm going to do this a lot more because you just don't really grasp how important it is to see faces until you can't. 
So bringing that around into the parks and the way that you interact with the cast members and the, and the, um, the characters and each other, that brings a whole level of magic that was taken away. Even though you could still walk into a park, um, it just didn't have that same relationship value principle that I, I like so much ab- about Disney in general. All right, Becky, what is next on your list? Well, the first thing on my list, and, and it's it kind of ties back into what we were just talking about, is literally the comeback. And as we were talking about 2022, we, we were actually mentioning this a little bit earlier, I had to go back through my phone and take pictures and figure out, look at pictures to figure out what happened in 21 as opposed to 22, because it all seems to have melded together in this strange um, situation. The, the entire last two and a half years seems like a dream and a, a, I don't know, it's just so odd to me. There doesn't seem to be a break between when it all started and when it ended and where we are now. So the general comeback of the whole thing, and to me, the number one thing of that comeback was the return of D23 Expo because it was so anticipated and so welcomed to be able to get back together, um, to see the people that we're so used to seeing, to uh, to get those announcements and to get all of that, you know, bubbly, happy feeling. Um, the return of D23 was a big milestone of the comeback of of getting out of the pandemic. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when I said like a whole lot of nothing initially, it wasn't even to be negative so much as that so much of what felt big about this year to me was the return of the normal. Because we got Run Disney back last year, but this year we got Run Disney back. You know, we got the vibe back. We got the feel of being there. We got the energy back. And it feels that way in the parks a lot. And it feels, you know, whether you've got, you know, which, regardless of which Bob you have or, you know, what you know what's going on behind the scenes, I think so much of what's going on right now feels like settling into, you know, that new normal phrase, of course, gets very old, but it is that in a way. And it is what feels so big about this year is that it feels normal again in a lot of ways. Yeah. And one thing I was looking back at, too, on, on D23 is that remember when we were trying to talk about what to do in the booth and it became the conversation of, you know what, more than anything, we just need to connect with people again. It doesn't need to be a big splashy thing, although Figment did um, <laughs> did, did have a, a great impact on our experience, especially at the on Teardown Night. Um, but it really was all about just reconnecting with people. Um, sorry, I was you know thinking of how much fun D23 was with all of you. That was one of those events where you know it, it was family back together. That was so nice across, you know, you couldn't walk the floor without running into somebody. I, I mean, I know somebody that just Kevin Feige made a beeline to, to hug at one point. It was just so remarkable. Oh, that was you, Lou. Um, he, again, he thought it was an Ewok, my, so he's a big fan of the Ewok. So. <laughs> uh, I'm going to jump out of the uh, overall change in the world to something that was kind of started off 2022 with a... Uh, big step forward, I'll say, uh, the Star Cruiser opening. Um, You know, we'd been waiting for this for two years, and this, we we didn't really know what to expect. I mean, I can say that being a fan of the Adventures Club, I kind of felt, 
okay, they're just redoing that. And really, when I walked out of it, I still to this day will say that they just looked at the Adventures Club script and set up and recreated it, but with Star Wars. Uh, I I don't want to say that it was a big leap of faith, but I think that it was. And I think that we're still seeing that they're working out the kinks from people I've talked to that have gone on it since opening. Small things have changed, but they're also still trying to figure out their footing. And is this a viable option going forward? Will we see the Avengers Hotel in the future at Disneyland? Will we see Frozen? Will we see something more interactive? And as somebody who got to experience it, it was a big difference and I don't think it is for everybody. I, you know, everybody said, oh yeah, if you're not a Star Wars fan, it's still great. It, it's great to go, but if you're not a Star Wars fan, you kind of miss out. And then there's that whole other side of the, oh, everybody will have fun. Yeah, except for the people that don't want to interact and you're wasting $5,000 for that person to sit in the corner and eat their long fruit while everybody else runs around and interacts with characters. But that one for me, I think, was one of the that was this the return of the norm to kind of jump back on the previous topic of a big opening, something new. And, you know, hopefully it will continue. I mean, it's not going anywhere, but I think that that was a the statement of Disney is going to try new things still to and see what if it works or not. So we again, we don't talk about this ahead of time, but I think. Transitioning from D23 Expo to the Star Cruiser actually dovetails very, very nicely because for me, events was the first thing I had on my list. And specifically, D23 Expo was on there, as well as Star Wars Celebration back in May. That, for me, was sort of that first step into we're just happy to be together in the same place at the same time. Whether you had to wear face coverings or not, it didn't matter. It was this renewed excitement, not necessarily about what was happening on the stages or in the rooms, but as somebody who, who loves going to conferences, I, th I think the best stuff happens in the hallways. And I think for Star Wars Celebration, that's what was happening too. The best conversations, the best interactions were happening on the show floor as Disney fans, the the as Star Wars fans, as the Disney company and Lucasfilm all sort of came together, much like D23 in this same place just to sort of celebrate wherever your fandom may have have made lies sort of in the Star Wars universe. It was extra special for us. Uh, I was invited to go and uh, speak at Star Wars Celebration with Becky and Ryan Donahoe. We talked about living your Star Wars story, which again sort of transitions nicely into not just living your Star Wars story in the Disney parks with the introduction of Galaxy's Edge on both coasts, but I did also have the opening of the Star Cruiser on March 1st, very, very high on my list because, and we've talked about our experiences and how I feel about it. I honestly think, and, and I'm not trying to be sort of using too much hyperbole, but I think the opening of the, of the Star Cruiser is monumental. And what I mean by that is it has nothing to do with the opening of this individual quote-unquote hotel, but what this represents in terms of where we are going in terms of experiential attractions and experiential type of things that we as guests can do. We have been 
slowly or, or quickly transitioning from being passive observers in Disneyland as shows and attractions and characters are sort of presented to us to where we are now as we're turning the page to 2023, we want to not just see, hear, read the story. We want to be part of it. And that's why the the Galactic Star Cruiser, and to your point, Jer- uh, Jeremiah, the iterative, the iterations that are to come after, whether, and oh, please, sweet baby Jesus, let it be Marvel, whether it's Marvel, whether it's Frozen, whether it's anything sort of in these Disney worlds, I think that is where we are starting to head. It might not be at that price point, although you can see from the popularity of the, the Star Cruiser that guests who want that type of experience are willing to do it and and are willing to do it again. Like I've known people have gone on three times um, and that's not about the money, but it's about the type of experience that they have and knowing that the, that the experience that they have is not only based on the choices that they make, but it's different every time. And I think that's what we look forward to, right? When you, if you go and ride an attraction in the Disney parks, for all intents and purposes, it is the same thing repeated over and over again. The Galactic Star Cruiser will never, ever have identical voyages. And that's the beauty and that's the appeal, even if it happens on a smaller scale. And I think, and I think we're going to start to see it this year. We are going to start seeing more interactive, more personalized, and more, you know, sort of a choose your, remember the old choose your own adventure books? Like that's what, our Disney park experience is going to start to evolve into, which is why I use the word evolving when I talked about my single word, because I think this is this ongoing evolution of our experience as guests on every level of our Disney parks. And I'll get to it later. Some of the other experiences, even outside. And Star Cruiser was actually the second thing on my list. And it's, Monumental is not um, overstating it because it's not just in the Disney environment, but this impacts the travel industry in general. So as it was announced and as it first happened, so many people were listening to what was the feedback was going to be about the experience because in the travel industry itself, others are looking at this and it's so exciting as a opportunity to be less passive and more um, experiential of these experiences that they're looking at things like this on cruise ships. They're looking at these uh, in hotels. There's all kinds of uh, places for it because that's what it was, was a disruptor when it was first announced. And it is really interesting to see how it's evolving. I've been lucky enough to do it twice. And to your point, Lou, yeah, the the story is somewhat the same, but the experience is not. I had two completely different experiences because I went down two different paths. So I'm looking forward to hearing um, what they're going to do with it next. And maybe they'll change the story. Maybe they won't. But that's the thing is Star Cruiser itself is a blank canvas. And you can create different stories and different layers within the same walls. And it has a lot of exciting opportunities for it. And I think this is going to be, and, and I don't remember who used the, the the term in terms of being a, this is going to not just disrupt, it is going to change the industry. Becky, what I'm about mm-hmm. to say is going to come as a wild shock to you, because I don't know if I've ever uttered these words in 17 years and 701 episodes, but 
if the play if the dark place down the street does not open a Hogwarts themed hotel Hogwarts. and like it's a license to print money. It is a license mm-hmm. to print money, right? At least I know your kids like they read the Harry Potter books. Like, could you imagine if you said we're, we're going to you know we're spending a weekend at Hogwarts? Like they would lose. Forget kids, adults. I was going to say, forget the kids. Mar- like, they I'd be we're going right first. Yeah. Uh-huh. I would too, right? And I'm not a I'll huge have Harry an experience Potter fan. where I get sorted into a school and sleep in Gryffindor, and and because of course that's where I get sorted too. <laughs> 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 Becky, we know you're Slytherin. Don't sweat it. Um, well, but, no, no, but, no. But uh, that's what I mean, and I do think that we are going to see these kind of experiences on a smaller scale in the Disney parks and resorts sooner rather than later. I hope so. I really hope so because it's exciting and it's fun and it's different. Uh, all right, Lisa, back to you. Um, so I'm going to go a little broad again um, and just talk about sort of the rebirth of Epcot this year. Um, and I think, it's really interesting to even bring that up because a large portion of it is still behind walls more so than any other park. But at the same time, I feel like we saw more. So I have so much more on my list about Epcot than any other park um, going into 2022. And part of it's interesting because, you know, this, they chose to have the 50th celebration be 18 months long. So a lot of this is sort of old old history, old hat at this point. Um, but at Epcot, they've continued and the, you know, with the 40th, it's been galvanized again. You know, the only beacon of magic that has my attention right now is Spaceship Earth and what they have been doing with that and the creativity that we've seen with that over the course of this year, starting with, I think it was Festival of the Arts, right, where they did Rainbow Connection. Mm-hmm. And then they've sort of rethemed that with each festival to have a song that goes along with what they can now do on Spaceship Earth, which is so cool to see. Um, we got to see the statue of Walt that's being installed, like the actual actual statue when we were at D23, which was absolutely amazing. Of course, we have like, you know, Creations and Club Cool. We've got Connections Cafe and Eatery. Um, and of course, the other sort of giant pink elephant in the room that I don't know if I'm allowed to also say because it might be too much, but we did get Guardians. <laughs> we got Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. And that's sort of obviously the big one. Um, I think it's just it's. It gave people like, it, you know, for the very first time in so long as locals, like my kids and I are running to the park um, for an hour at a time just to pop in and do something. And it's just it's so much fun. Like it's it's if Mission Breakout is a party on a ride like this is a party on a spaceship. Like it's just it, it's just regalvanized our energy for the park. And whether you agree with the IP coming in or not, like it's just a fun, fun ride. I, I will say that. All of these were on my list individually. Like I had Beacon of Magic separate as as an entry on my list because it's so simple, yet so beautiful and something. That, and like you, Cosmic Rewind is the only attraction I can think of since I've moved here that we're like, let's get in the car and ride. We go in, we ride, and we leave. Like I've never, I've never done that before. Granted, I please just give me. Everybody wants to rule the world, and and I will sort of temper my excitement a little bit because you I, still haven't had that I still one. Huh? Haven't got, I'm just going to put on my Walkman and just play it in on the attraction, just so I can. I'm I can still have it. missing Iran, and I've done it 16 times now. Wow. I guess the past two times don't count because it's been Christmas, but I'm that's my goal for 2023 is to just 
spend all day at Epcot getting in line over and over again until I get Iran. Look, I think, and I'm sure Cosmic Rewind, Ryan, in, in some capacity, was on all of our lists, but I really feel that when it was introduced, it was in the conversation of what is the overall best attraction in Walt Disney World? Like, very, very quickly. And I understand that that some folks can't ride because of, of motion and that all taken into consideration when you do ride and you have those different songs, which changes the experience, even though the story remains the same, it is an incredibly like exhilarating and fun ride. And I am not one of the people who's like, wait a minute, guardians doesn't belong in Epcot because I buy into the story. Like I buy into the story, even if you don't sort of follow everything that's, that's being talked about in the queue, which I also love, by the way, um, I, I think I think Cosmic Rewind is in the conversation of overall best attractions in in world. Mm-hmm. With that question, absolutely, yeah, that was on my list also. And mm-hmm. you know, it is as somebody who is a coaster fanatic and has had the chance to ride coasters all around the world and visit and ride just about everything in any Disney park. This ranks up there is the top attraction but most definitely it is the top disney coaster out there it's a ton of fun and so smooth and the technology is so amazing i i loved every minute of being on that ride and i i love the fact that they've done this twice with with guardians with that theming having different songs you have to return to and you have different experiences with different songs and and then of course having to go back 22 times to try to get a song. Um, I, I think the storytelling is at its best in this attraction, and so is the experience itself. And the virtual queue works beautifully. Yeah. It really, truly does. And I think it's just one of the many things that we've taken from the pandemic and kind of ridden with in the way that works. Um, but being able to like hop in that queue in the morning, you know, if you don't get it, it sucks, but it's sort of a fair lottery because everybody's got the same chances going in. But the way that they've chosen to release them, that they release in the morning, you don't need to be in the park. And then they have the sort of later in the day release where you are in park. It all, it's it's just all very well executed for crowd control. And just the way the number of people that they're able to just move through that attraction. Um, it's such a people leader that it, it, it just it's just it's worked really well in implementation. And as an attraction, needless to say, it was, I'm sure, near the top of all of our lists for good reason. And not only is it a people eater, it's gotten better since it's opened. I've gone later in the day and the virtual queue has been open at five and six still available because they're moving people through. And, you know, we look at Rise of the Resistance, which was really the first virtual queue attraction that didn't happen for a very long time. But, you know, as a coaster that isn't the highest capacity, but is a good capacity. They're doing a great job moving people through that. Becky, what's next on your list? Wow. We've gone through so many and I have, um, the the last conversation we just had took three things off my list. So I'm going to move to the, um, Disney cruise line, Disney wish, uh, release because it took 10 years for a new ship after the, um, the fantasy and, and dream class. And it, they had a lot of time to figure out, to, to get the feedback from the other ships and design something that was going to take advantage of the technology that's occurred in the last 10 years and uh, to implement the feedback from 
people on the other uh, ships. And I did, I, I do appreciate this ship very much. It's elegant. It's beautiful. It has a lot of interesting little pieces of fun, whether it be the slide that anybody can take down into the kids clubs to how the kids clubs are set up to being probably the most stunning concierge level of any of the Disney ships. Um, how they've wrapped in the IP that we've all kind of appreciated and some people have not. <laughs> However, we've really enjoyed several of the, um, of the features on board the ship. I, I do have a couple of questions where I kind of went, huh? Like the tower suite was a great idea until you realize there's no balcony and no view of the ocean. But again, a lot of interesting innovations uh, to to roll out with the wish. Um, I also, I love, I absolutely love the, the pirate show. I am so in love with that show. I think it's because it's my, it's my music. It's that, that time period that I can sing every single one of the songs that they're, they're doing on board because that's what I grew up with. But I, I do, um, appreciate what they've done going into some of the smaller spaces. I hope that with Treasure, they take a look at maybe what went a little too far in those smaller spaces and, and even it out before that comes online. Um, but I, I think that it's another step forward of investing in the cruise industry for Disney because it is a huge uh, opportunity for revenue. It is it, what they were saying with cruises lately is that 28% of uh, Americans have actually cruised. And now we have uh, a huge amount of people who say they want to cruise but never have. So this, I believe that this ship was built for those people, the first time cruisers that haven't had the opportunity to experience some of the other um, cruise amenities. And this kind of speaks directly to them. But it also dovetails into the the biggest surprise to me was the purchase of the ship that's halfway built that I believe is going to be headed to the Asia markets, which has, um, again, a huge spotlight on the fact that Disney really wants to invest in the cruise line area of their business, which speaks really well for um, for us in the travel industry, of course. And I would love to see what they're going to do with that larger ship. Jeremiah, Lisa, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on the wish, obviously having been on other DCL ships in the past, how you feel it sort of compares and, and contrasts. Lisa, go ahead. Um, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting experiment in doing things very differently, um, you know, whether or not, you know, every one of those things is going to be a home run is, you know, never going to, it's never going to be the case. Um I just sat on the wish for the first time, um, Lou, with your group last week, and we had a blast. I think it's obviously a very challenging ship to be doing a large group event on um, for all the reasons that we just discussed. So if you're there, you know, I, I could kind of see it being, a, you know, Lou, we, we talked about this too. I could see it being, you know, a lovely, lovely cruise for, you know, a, an, an older couple who's looking for sort of a more intimate experience where they're just, you know, you know sort of enjoying each other, enjoying, you know, your, your small family um, in a more in a more elegant atmosphere, um, if that's what you go for, you know, it's it's probably not a ship that I'm personally running back to amongst the other Disney ship options that are out there. That doesn't mean I didn't have a wonderful experience. It just means that I would probably have one the Wonder or or something else, you know, next if given the choice. 
Uh, the ladies have put it so beautifully and so kindly. I will not. Um, it's a good ship. It'll be great after about four or five dry docks, and they fix many of the problems that Becky put nicely. The intimate spaces. <laughs> you don't make a bar that every adult male wants to go to in the um, the the Star Wars lounge. I can't think of the name off the top. Hyperspace. Uh, thank you, hyperspace lounge. You don't make that one of the smallest spots and then across the way put the high-end jewelry, high-end bags, and a high-end uh, watch space that takes up more space than the three smaller lounges do. Um, and then it, I got off the ship going, okay, I, I'm going to look at the positive for this. And it was, there are some beautiful things on the ship. They They definitely, as the lady said, tried some new things um one of the things that a lot of people missed it was on the media cruise where we were most of us were on it and they had the the round table talk with the people who created it the person who designed the ship flat out said she'd never been on a cruise before when she was given this assignment to, to design <laughs> this ship and i walked away from that going yes you can tell there, there's a lot of beautiful things on the ship. I, I love the the entry area, um, the grand hall as they're putting it now. It's beautiful having the interactive elements throughout the day and night. It makes it so much better than some of the past ships. But one thing that Lisa said very well is, I'm not rushing to get on the ship again. Um, <laughs> and that that's not just me. That has been a overwhelming response to people that I know. And it, it's, again, I don't think it's because we're so used to the other ships. I just, and I, I can't speak to this where I know Becky can speak much better to this. I've only done Disney cruises. The other ships work perfectly. And it's not because I'm used to them. It's because they are set up well. Um, you know, Becky's been on some of the largest cruise ships in the world where there's a whole park in the middle of it. But I don't see the wish being a, hey, this is a great design ship and we're going to do this on the next two. Yeah, it, it's definitely meant for, again, that first time cruiser that that is um, drawn to the Disney brand. And it's, it's going to be a perfect scenario for that cruiser. And I agree with a lot of what you just said. So I agree with like 99.9% .9 of everything that, that you said, because I agree. I think a first time cruiser, uh, because again, we come from it from a place of reference. So we could not avoid comparing it to everything that we loved about the other ships. I wonder for a first time, a real first time cruiser, and there was a lot of them in our group, they love the ship because they don't know any different and they that just me might be the way that they enjoy I, I do agree that i think if you are especially um you know if you are a, a a luxury guest if you're if you're going to spend time in the concierge lounge or if you're a cruiser that has young kids like the kids club there on deck two, the oceans club and lab is remarkably good um, it's amazing it is, it is really 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 well done i think there are elements of the disney wish 
that are exceptionally well done. I think 1923, I've said it a million times and I'll repeat it again, is the best dining on Disney Cruise Line, period. I like 1923 more than I like any of the other restaurants. Although, as I say that, I'm like, Becky, I think we need to go to Remy one more time. <laughs> I think there's elements in there that that um, I really enjoy. And I, and I do think that there are sometimes things that look good on paper. And then once you put real life human beings into that space, it doesn't necessarily play out the way you expect. The only thing I will say, though, Jeremiah, is that we noticed on this cruise, they changed something from previous cruises, specifically about the hyperspace lounge. They no longer, so it used to be a reservation system, right? They, 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 they changed very quickly. So it used to be walk up and then they're like, nah, this walk up's not working. They were doing like paper tickets. Like they were writing out paper reservation tickets. And then they went to a reservation system where like Ogus Cantina, you had to have a reservation that would allow you 45 minutes on our voyage. And I guess, I don't know exactly when it started, They've removed the reservation system so much so that there is no longer someone standing outside the entrance corridor to Hyperspace Lounge. What this has done is made the place incredibly accessible. Why? Because I think people were going to the Hyperspace Lounge because they just wanted to see what the Hyperspace Lounge was like. So now (laughs) being able to open the door, sort of look in, look around, wow, this is pretty cool, that ticks the box for a lot of people. I was in there, I think, three times on this cruise at different times of the of the day and, and night. And there were always tables available with nobody waiting. And I think because it's just, it is a sort of self-cycling place. Like once you've been in there for 45 minutes, it's probably enough. But all those people that were in line just because they had to see it, that were sort of, I don't want to say taking up space in there, but were taking up those reservations, it made, it makes for a, much more uh, efficient ship. I had Disney Cruise Line on my list, not just because of the wish, but because of this uh, acquisition of the Golden Dream, which is going to enter the Asian market. I, I don't know if we talked about it on the show or one of the live shows. This is going to be a very interesting ship to watch. One, because it's 75% built to somebody else's specifications that does allow you to do fit and finish design work inside, but the spaces are going to be the spaces. And two, because this is going to most likely serve predominantly the Asian market, there is a difference in, the, and, I'm, and I know that I'm overgeneralizing, but understand that the Asian market predominantly likes to have casinos on their ships. It is just an element mm-hmm. of how they like to cruise. How does Disney address this? Is this the first ship that addresses the cult, the cultural, not like, request but almost a recommendation because the ship is going to serve that market although we are going to have to go out back in and just to check it out for ourselves but it's a huge ship um in a very different market purpose built by for somebody else's specifications that i'm sure disney got for pennies on the dollar you almost could not pass up this offer and the opportunity to enter the asian market uh, it's gonna be a very very interesting to to watch and that's Absolutely. why I'm so intrigued by this because it is – if it's focused to the Asian market where you said it's almost a recommendation, no. In the Asian market, it's almost a requirement to have gambling on board because that is what the, the culture demands over there for a cruise experience. Um, other cruise lines have purpose-built ships to go over to the Asian market. And when they did decide to bring them back, they had to retrofit and take out a huge amount of, of space, of gambling space, because that's not 
really, well, it is a big deal for the U.S. markets, but not as big a deal. So this has so many intriguing points to see how they're going to handle that if this is their first step into gambling, because the thing that's, that made me go, huh, is in the press release when they made it so clear that this ship is not intended for the U.S. market, which means they're making a huge point right out front that, yeah, if they do go to gambling on board the ship, don't worry, they're not going to start bringing gambling to all Disney Cruise Line ships across the globe. But I can't wait to see what they do with this. And it it won't be the biggest ship afloat. A lot of people have said it's you know it's going to be the biggest ship. No, it was just built uh, to to house uh, about right. nine thousand guests. It's, it's the biggest by capacity, not by tonnage. By correct, correct. But they they have taken down the capacity, so it will be now less in capacity than some of the others that are afloat once it's complete. Um, so it, like, it look, as really... long as they have bingo, I'm happy. Like Becky's becoming, <laughs> she's like a little old lady at fault. the church bingo. It's <laughs> totally your fault. You started this, so seriously. Yeah, we have to now do bingo every time we're on a ship, and we have to do now at least twice, because why don't we ever win? We spend so much money uh, excuse on me, silly bingo excuse things. Excuse me, you are looking at a bingo winner i split yes. with 17 other people i made what is it 27 dollars was my was my 32. big two thank you it was 32 dollars at the end of the day so congratulations thank you very much big <laughs> i big only winner. split mine three ways so <laughs> i've never played bingo on a ship so let's oh go. just come along Jeremiah, with us it, it'll, yeah. it, you'll get ejected in a heartbeat we oh, had so the whole we had literally the whole bottom half of luna was just we sort of made it an event and yeah <laughs> did you just fun. name that was really ship fun. blue by the way did you you just named it golden dream because that is a perfect name for a ship well it, it's the glow it, it was called the global dream yeah on the i mean if they want to call it the golden dream that I mean, it, it fits on so many levels. Yeah. They don't go that way. I mean, I'm sure they already had Dream etched on the back. So <laughs> this is like golden next to it. Look, gold. the lettering's already done. <laughs> and look, in, in China and Asian markets, the color gold is 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 exactly. a very significant color. So, yeah, yeah. good point. Uh, Jeremiah, what's next on your list? Oh, geez. Are we back to me? Um, uh, I This one is kind of a love-hate for me. And again, this... Actually, no, I'm going to skip that one. I'm going to go to something that is so out of the normal realm that I don't think anybody here will have. Uh, Disney Plus doing a werewolf by night and the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Like, you know, we knew things were coming from Disney Plus, but I think both you and I, Lou, when werewolf by night hit, we were at New York Comic Con and we both kind of went, wait. What? When did? <laughs> how did we miss this? And you know, I, I would say we're both somewhat Marvel fans, um, but throwing out these random holiday specials and Werewolf by Night is probably one of the most random Marvel products that they've done uh, to the point where I was out at Avengers Campus, and this also kind of ties in with all this uh, when they had Elsa Bloodstone and the Werewolf by Night walking around. And people had no clue because nobody saw it. But then you have the flip side. And this, to me, it has become my new holiday tradition. 
the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, Christmas special, is probably one of the best Marvel stories, not including Guardians of the Galaxy films, but it is also an amazing Christmas special. Like that is something that will be on my holiday list well above Elf or any of those. And I don't know what Christmas is, but Christmas time is here is on my playlist <laughs> and I listen to it daily. So I think those are something unique and I really hope that they continue to go that way. I, I know James Gunn's a little bit busy now with uh, DC, but I hope that he fills, and this is a spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen it, the post credit for Guardians of the Galaxy. They kind of promise another one is coming. So hopefully we'll see. Before I dig deep into this, there's something that you mentioned that I think is really, really important that that I absolutely love Disney doing, and I think Disney does very, very well, is whether it's a Disney Plus series or a Disney theatrical release in the Marvel Universe, you can go and watch the movie or the show on a Wednesday night, and on Thursday, that or those characters are in Avengers Campus in Disneyland. Like, the next day, there's Loki, there's President Loki, there's Wanda, there's Black Widow, all of these characters that you've watched literally or been introduced to the day before, zombie cat, like seeing them in the park the next day, that that immediate turnaround, Moon Knight, like you want to talk about reasons to keep going back to that park or, or making the cross-country trip. Like, I don't want to spoil anything, but there was a couple of times I'm like, if this character shows up in Avengers Campus, I told my son, like, we're getting on a plane tomorrow. Like if Daredevil's uh, fine, if Daredevil shows up in Avengers Campus, like I'm going to see Daredevil again, not a character guy, but it's really, really, yeah. really well done. Um, how Disney no, I, does that. To jump in before you continue, I had the chance to go out while Werewolf and, I, and Elsa Bloodstone were there and waited pretty much most of the day just for them. Um, when Miss Marvel was out. I I had to fly across the country for a day, and this was for work, but also I enjoyed it. And I sat on Avengers campus until four o'clock, which I wish somebody would have said, oh, she doesn't come out till after school's done. Would have made my day much oh, better. Um, <laughs> you know, I saw the Hulk, which is a whole other discussion. And then when I was just out there um, a few weeks ago, Mbaku and the new Black Panther, those like it is, I, you know, we've gone on all the attractions many, 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 many times. So having that just added element of standing in the land and the land is still alive, even after the pandemic kind of changed the character interaction. That is, I wish, and I, I, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in California is doing a little bit better, but you know, we need more characters here in Florida that aren't the Fab Five or just the standards and are stuck in one place. Um, and that leads back to the character interactions of the close contact. Sorry, back to you, Lou. No, I, I agree with everything you said. It's just all the so many more reasons why I love Jeremiah, but I, I want to sort of just quickly and, and because. I'm going to combine two things that were on my list because this leads nicely into it. And it was Disney Plus and it is the studios and the movies. And I want to sort of examine these as as a whole. It's in the interest of, of time and efficiency because I think 
and we're, and I'm not talking about the financials of Disney Plus, right? Which they're expecting to start actually showing a profit despite having, you know, tens of millions of subscribers probably in, in 2024. But the quality of the programming that is on Disney Plus and was introduced on Disney Plus, specifically in some of these areas like Marvel, Moon Knight, Ms. Marvel, She-Hulk, Werewolf by Night, The Guardians TV Special, on the Star Wars side, you had Obi-Wan, Bad Batch, Andor. I honestly think that the quality of the content that is being introduced and the variety and the, the wide spectrum of content and characters that are being introduced on the platform and it, and it's this this wonderful freedom that I think it gives Feige and, and the studios is better than we're, we're seeing in the big screen. Uh, I don't think this is the strongest time right now for the studios. And, and I understand it's, I think it's a combination of post-pandemic and getting people back into theaters after being so used to watching movies at home. I'm not sure if the offerings are necessarily compelling enough because I don't know that that there's been those massive blockbusters. And, and I've been saying this for a long time when we talked about, about the parks. I think the movie-going experience, I think theaters need to become more experiential as a whole. You need a reason to go and pay the money for a ticket and not be in the comfort of your own home and see something on the big screen. But in looking at what came out in theaters versus what came out on Disney Plus. We just got National Treasure, Free Guy, Night at the Museum, Hocus Pocus 2, Willow. I have to mention, because we mentioned Marvel, in March, having all of the Netflix series released on Disney Plus, Daredevil, which I will argue may be the single most or one of the best pieces of Marvel visual content on screen that they've ever produced. I will plant my flag firmly there. Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, maybe not Iron Fist, Luke Cage, The Defenders, Punisher, as well as Logan and Deadpool 1 and 2, which is important because those are the first R-rated releases on Disney+. And that sort of opens the door for additional content and programming that, that they're going to be allowed to put there. I also have to say my biggest surprise of Disney Plus this year because I had never seen the show. I will hand in my Disney card. I've never seen the original, but I love, loved in big, bold letters, all caps, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Like, I really, I almost watched it just because like, oh, let me just see what it is. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And, and unlike Daredevil, it's something for the whole family to watch. Rescue Rangers definitely got its own bullet. For me. And I too was not like of the rescue Rangers generation. Like it, it didn't like get a pass from me because I held a near and dear place in my heart. It's just, I love John Mulaney too. I think he's hilarious. So, so that was an extra plus, but yeah, they, they definitely got their own bullet. And I agree. I think like, as I was making my list of movies, I checked myself so many times because I was like, I must be missing something. Mm -hmm. Like there must be something that is sliding under my radar that I'm not realizing was this year because my list of movies, you know, I mean, setting aside Avatar Way of Water, which I admittedly have not seen yet and obviously gets its own. How its own dare you? It's energy. been out for like um, 28 hours. Really not. <laughs> and it's a reason to go watch on the big screen, right? Way of Water is a reason to go to the big screen. Yeah, I think you have to, right? I mean, that's that's why you see it. 
Sorry, Lisa. I was saying, how dare you? It's been out for 28 hours and you haven't seen it. <laughs> of course, it takes up three hours of your life anyway. So. And I agree. Like, if you're going to see it, you, you're not, you know, you shouldn't be watching it like on your television. Um, you should be watching You just it. reminded me that I need to download the rest of Daredevil because you also got me hooked on that, too. Um, so I can watch that on the plane. I'm, I'm trying to catch up. But after seeing that, I agree with you that that is one of the the best series that has has come out so far. But for 22, I was excited to hear about what's coming. So, of course, it's not here yet. But I did get excited about little things like the Thunderbolts, um, knowing that I get to see uh, Loki again, knowing that the Mandalorian is going to come back and the cute little baby Yoda is going to be there because I, I have a problem. Um, but for me, Wakanda Forever was The Shining Light. I really loved that movie. And I, I love the fact that uh, we now have a, a female Black Panther. And I just really um, admire how they've pulled that story together, given the unfortunate and difficult circumstances uh, with um, Boswick's or Boswick. So I... I love that movie. I think it was one of the shining stars that came out this year. Uh, but I totally agree. Disney Plus definitely is hitting all the high notes. And I'm with you, Jeremiah. I loved the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. I thought it was great. I went in with pretty low expectations, given, you know, little things like the Star Wars Christmas special at one time. So I... I kind of went in with a very low level of expectation, but found I laughed and had a good time and cried a little at the end. And I, I really did enjoy that. Well, Cosmo dying does. Oh, sorry. Oh. No. <laughs> now, if they did that, I would never watch it again. Just so you know. <laughs> so what I do always you know the, the quickest way to stop anything is talk about a dog dying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, Becky, you think Wakanda Forever is, is the best thing in on the big screen. Um, any of you, any other quick standouts on the big screen from the Disney Studios or the small screen on Disney Plus? Something that, and you're looking back on your list, was a surprise, a standout. I'll give you a second to look. I absolutely love, 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 love Moon Knight. I, and I know Moon Knight was not everybody's cup of tea, and Oscar Isaac was remarkably good like he put on an award-winning i think performance playing not one not two really like three four different characters in a series that like werewolf by night is not you know he's not a spider-man he's not somebody that that everybody knows is very different in terms of setting very different in terms of tone moon knight werewolf by night darker series than we had seen from the studios. And I like the fact that, again, the spectrum of what is coming from places like Marvel um, is widening a little widening a little bit to attract, not just attract, but sort of tick some of the boxes of suspense and horror and things like that that we haven't really seen in the past before. I think the only other, Lisa, like you, when I looked at the list from the studios, taking out things like Spider-Man No Way Home because, hi. Um, I'm going to jump off of yours also. The Miss Marvel for me, um, having Moon Knight and then Miss Marvel back to back, it was amazing that Marvel 
finally stepped away from New York. No offense, Lou. Um, you know, we see Pakistan in Miss Marvel. We see Egypt in Moon Knight. You know, I love the Nat Geo editions, and that's a whole other topic we could do to Disney Plus. But those two series alone made me want to travel outside the U.S. desperately during a time when we really couldn't travel. Um, but Miss Marvel, I think, had such heart and such. It, it was definitely the the sleeper hit for me. But on the other side, and I know that this could draw you know poison darts coming at me and or for me wasn't what i wanted um and that i i will argue with people that that they say it's the best star wars there is i think if they did six episodes it would have been a much better show but when you do 12 and again i've said this to every single person i talk to you don't need five to 10 minutes of walking in each episode. And that's seriously what it is. Like there's times where they're just walking down hallways and they focus and it was like, Oh, it builds attention. It builds us. I'm like, no, it's lazy. It's, it's space filler. And that's kind of how I felt that that story went where if it would have been shorter, it would have been an amazing story. Great lead into rogue one and everything else. But I lost interest in the first two episodes and had to fight getting through the end of it. And everybody's like, oh, oh well, the be- the last episode was amazing. I was like, yeah, they didn't have as much walking. But when they did walk, they had instruments where they were playing music. So great. Um, I actually did like Strange World. That, that for me, a lot of people didn't even see it. And thankfully, it's coming on Disney Plus in a few days. So hopefully that will open up. It's a great family story. Some great animation. And some fun. But... I think Disney did a massive disservice with that. They didn't market it correctly. They didn't market it all in some markets. And people kind of went, oh, wait, there's a new Disney animated film and it's not Pixar. What is this? So I think that's one. I I hope everybody will revisit that during the holiday season and see how good it actually was. Very quickly, I, I agree with you about Andor. I think it I think it it would have been better served to be something that it could have been a two hour movie. Like it really, mm-hmm. it, I think there was just a lot. And some people said, "Well, it doesn't feel like Star Wars," and I, and, it, and that's for some is a good thing, and some is not. And I just want to quickly point out an individual too, because Amon Valani, the actress who plays Ms. Marvel, mm-hmm. is the most wonderful likable person, not just on screen, but if you've seen her interviewed and the story of how she got that role, being a fan and her grandmother telling her, like it's, it's that, it's that story that you want to hear about somebody loving something genuinely and then be, you know, it's the Tom Holland story, loving this character and then becoming that character. So uh, I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. Somebody that's a big comic book fan being written into a comic book, that type of storyline. Exactly. Um, I think we're, are we back to Lisa? Are are we getting, I I mean, I know we're sort of at 10. So if we want to sort of start, I know Lisa's like, what? I have 16 more pages of notes. But if you have like one or a couple, and then we can maybe throw a couple of honorable mentions. But if there's one for each of you that you have to add to your list, what is a must add? I mean, I've been sort of broad sweeping with some of mine. I'm sorry about that. 
Uh, but I've wiped my own list at the same time, to, to be fair. Um, but no, I mean, I think for me, like I would just reiterate that it's just been a year of sort of settling in um, for me. And that's, and sort of, sort of that, the new normal phrase gets old, but, but it has sort of been the year to stop ranting about park reservations and seeing like that they're actually not so bad and, you know, and in the works and in reality, and and maybe it's not the worst thing to not have to be lined up outside the gates at magic kingdom at five o'clock in the morning to see if you can get in before they hit capacity on Christmas morning. And it's, and knowing that you've got that reservation. So you know, seeing that work in process, seeing that like the genie service is actually pretty cool. I have different feelings about genie plus and lightning lane, but you know, I'll set those aside. Um, seeing that like, maybe it's nice to have cavalcades and a festival of fantasy. So if you want to spend an hour of your day lined up along main street to wait for a parade, you can, but if you'd rather be a little bit more spontaneous about it, you can just enjoy the cavalcades as they go by. Um, I have a lot of things sort of on my list like that, but, you know, seeing that, you know, Magical Express went away and it wasn't really the end of the world because people really do tend to use Uber and the Sunshine Flyer and mirrors are are good, you know, good substitutes. So it's just been sort of a year of like not being necessarily so reactive and maybe just sort of sitting back a little bit and seeing how some of these new things sort of actually work well in practice. Um, and so for me, that's like a theme that I felt like I was going back to over and over again as I was preparing this list. Becky? Uh, a little bit of the year of change in surprise, just as we've mentioned. The only other thing on my list were, again, more the comeback things of Fantasmic finally coming back in, in minivans, for gosh sakes. I didn't realize how much I loved minivans until they went away. Um, and the fact that my friends didn't stop me from putting Chadwick Boseman in the same word. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I I loved this year. I've been very, um, very immersed in this comeback and all the change and, you know, the, the internet is resistance to cha- resistant to change as we all know. And it's, um, it's nice to see that we've been able to all get together to all be together to all to have the events again, Lou, we've, we missed those for so long and to be able to have, two groups on the wish and the group on the Marvel day at sea, which seems like that was years ago, but that was 22 as well. So it's, it's just uh, all coming back to the comeback for me. Jeremiah. Um, To not be as chipper as the ladies just were Uh, the Disney nickel and diming us, um, you know, talking, going off of Lisa's genie plus and, uh, individual lightning lane. And I grew up in Southern California as a kid without a lot of money that could go to Disneyland once a year. I am luckily in the place now where I can go to Magic Kingdom and the parks of Walt Disney World and travel to Disneyland often. But it, it is not... It, it, I never looked at going to the parks as something we should all be able to do. It should always be something that is a special event. Sadly, that has fallen away years and years ago. But now we're looking at ticket prices over $200 at some days. Genie Plus, $25. Individual Lightning Lane, $25. Lisa, when you go with your kids, if you were a normal mom from Ohio that didn't live in Florida, you know, a family of four trip to the parks, 
way out of the range of normal. And I'm not saying this as the, you know, the economy should be this, the economy should be that. It has gotten to the point, and I'm not blaming Bob Chapek, no matter how many people say it was his fault, because I'm sure this was in the works long before, but the company has gotten to the point where it is a company. It 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 has a bottom line. It needs to make the money for everybody. And the magic has kind of tarnished a little bit for me at times. I really hope Iger, even if he just fixes Genie Plus, because Genie Plus had such promise. And to me, it it has fallen horribly because I don't need Genie Plus to stand in a corner to watch the parade, but people pay the $25 because they think that that's a great deal. That's, and on the other side, the annual passes. Disneyland opened their annual passes and had to stop selling one of their annual passes within hours because people bought it so quickly. Um, Is it the demand that is still pent up now that we're almost a year, two years out of it being back? And will this calm down? Hopefully, but I would hope at some point, like you were talking about the hyperspace lounge, let's open the gates, get rid of the reservations and see what happens. Will that ever happen? Who knows? But that's kind of where I want the future to go. So that's my my Christmas wish for 2023. Let's make the world a little bit more normal and not squeeze every penny out of us so actually sorry i was i was gonna say actually i mean i don't mind the reservation system like i was saying before at all i think it actually is functioning pretty well in practice i think you know i would love for them to revisit some of the ways that genie plus works it's very challenging as a local to go to first of all it doesn't work if you're not starting your day at the park like if you're not rope dropping the park or something close you're basically paying to get a pass for and it only works rock really and roller curious. coaster at 5 p.m. and then everything yeah. else is gone by the time that you use it. So it, it's definitely a challenge going as a family. That it's 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 I would I'll say it's like it's far less attraction based our visits and they just need to be um, these days as a local visiting the park um, because I'm not going to pay you know 15 to 29 dollars per person just to reserve one thing in yeah. the middle of the day. Um, you know, that being said, like, like I said, it's been a year of settling in and, and a lot of it, you know, has worked well. And, I'm, you know, there are aspects of it like that, that I would hope that they would maybe revisit the way that they're working in practice. No, I think re- reservations, I, I do not argue that is something that is beneficial because I can only imagine what some of these days would have been. But hopefully the, the rumor is going forward of things changing in the new year for the reservation system that will be something that we'll start to see and maybe level things out a little bit more. Will that happen? Who knows? But we can hope. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think some of the things you brought up are are, are legitimate um, and, and understanding too, you know, it's a very, I, I try and be very objective and I try and look at it from the opposite side, right? Not just as a guest, but the complexities of trying to balance a lot of different things all at the same side at the same time from, from a a 30,000 foot corporate view you know we're trying to balance the wants and needs and interests of guests with the wants and needs and interests of shareholders which are oftentimes in direct conflict trying to let everybody get in to have you know a good time in the parks while still not getting to that number 
of guests in a park where where your guest satisfaction level drops dramatically, right? How do you sort of 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 balance out those two while also making the parks accessible and not overly complicated to go to, right? Because there is there is a challenge, and I think I think there were, there is an iterative process, and and I hope that as time goes on, they again you you. You draw it out on paper and then you put guests in the park. You see what works. You see what doesn't work. And they're able to continue to improve and modify and, if necessary, take things away that maybe aren't working as well and replace them with something that is more effective and more efficient in the parks. Very quickly. Go ahead. Really. I was going to say, I would really just a side note, would really love to see more of the Max Pass elements come come back maybe like you said everything looks great on paper and then you put it in process and you discover that you'd need to test and adjust and maybe that's what we'll see next year i i i really think so i i very very strongly believe that that's what's coming um a couple of things on my list that i just wanted to mention that are relatively small, but I think were significant. And this is this is just a complete throwaway. Would you mention, Becky, some of the events and stuff that we had done? Like the return of the hoop de doo was significant. And we <laughs> we went to the hoop de doo before our cruise and, and it's everything is more fun as a group. I just love the live performances and the live theater and the show that is the same, but is it is different every time. Speaking of people, right? Because it is about people. The return of the international program cast members in World Showcase um, is is evident when you see, right? When I was at, um, I just happened to be in Japan, shocker, um, during the holiday festivals and seeing Japanese cast members at, um, at the kiosk was wonderful to see, right? Having those sort of cultural representatives back in the parks. And I forgot to mention earlier when we talked about the interactivity levels, and I have not done it myself. It is literally like World of Water, just hours old. But the DuckTales World Showcase Adventure launched Mm -hmm. on the Disney Play Disney Parks app yesterday, as of the day we are recording. I've already heard from people like that are playing, like they really love this optional added layer into the parks and, and having a more interactive type experience and jeremiah is holding up pictures we'll have we'll have a conversation offline about your thoughts about world showcase adventure not which i'm looking forward to to playing um and just as i'm looking forward to to what is to come in the next year um just from a, a very quick personal level in terms of, of looking back and when i say personal i mean personal in terms of the show and the community and the things that we've been able to do and you know, I won't have a. There's a whole conversation about the, there's this amazing community that that is part of this, but things that we've been able to do together on the show, and and guests that we've been able to have on the show, and doing those events together, and being able to travel again, um, you know, to 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 speak, and having opportunities to um, to present around the country and and internationally, and um, to and with Disney and our momentum events uh, just a couple of months ago um, really made for a remarkable year for, for me and, and the show personally, as we get ready to look to 2023, I think there's a lot to be excited about hundred years of magic um, 
which 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 is significant, not just because it's a hundred years, but because I think we're gonna see see Walt and the foundation of the company, and and it's I think it's important for guests to know the history of the company and Tron Lifecycle Power Run and updates that I think are are coming to places like Tomorrowland and maybe Hollywood Studios and what we're gonna see on the big and small screen. But for each of you, um, in any particular order, if you had to sort of just close your eyes and think back to 2022, what was your most memorable moment? Whether it was a personal thing, you know, related to the context of the conversation, the Disney parks and, and movies and experiences and it, or, or products, whatever it might be, what was something that was significant or memorable or impacted you in some type of meaningful way? I'll go first. Mine's pretty sappy and easy. Um, by far, one of my favorite memories is us, the, us, and I mean the four of us, standing in line at D23 just waiting for hours and doing silly things like walking out of the Marvel presentation, holding our comics like they're pieces of gold <laughs> and just, you know, uh, I am, I'm relatively new to the Lou Mangello inner circle, as I put it. Um, but, you know, I've had so much fun with the three of you this year and, you know, there are times where I've spent more time with you guys than I have with people from Laughing Place because we are spread out everywhere. But we've been the few of us have been able to gather around the campfire many times over the year and just have a lot of fun. And that's D23 Expo was by far a standout memory for me for this year. It's funny because the first thing that comes to mind for me is straight out of D23 also, and I don't want to go there because it's nothing to do with 2022. It's everything to do with pre-2021 and 2023 because it's the moment that they announced that we were getting happily ever back. After exactly. Back. Yes. I That like, was on I, my list for the, we, like, we admit we're wrong. <laughs> like, I don't want that to be my thing because it does not <laughs> to do it this year, but it was just this like moment and it was such an easy slam dunk crowd pleaser. And it was an announcement that we were getting something back that we'd already, but setting all that aside, it was just this moment of like everybody in the room wanted it and felt so passionately about it. And like, I knew like my kids were home and I was like passing the news along to them. And all I could think about was like being there that last night with Maddox, my older son, while he was crying, um, knowing that it was the last time he was going to be able to walk, like watch the show and being able to send that text to them that we were getting the show back and their excitement. Like, I don't want it to be my thing because again, like it speaks volumes about this year that like the main thing that stands out is more about 2021 and 2023 than this year. But it was just this moment of like group joy that like, it was just such a slam dunk for all of us. And we all got to be together at D23 and hear it. Um, like you were just saying, Jeremiah. So yeah, that's me. That that's it keeps coming back to twenty twenty or sorry to um, D twenty three. Besides watching you get a shave on the wish and being so <laughs> amazingly uncomfortable the entire time, which I do have video and pictures if I ever need to use them. Um, seeing, I was sitting with your son. I was sitting with Nick in the parks and, and recreation, uh, the parks and recreation, the, the parks panel, <laughs> and um, our figment balloon 
showed up on screen and watching his face and we both jumped for joy. That was amazing. Um, but I, I and also I, I can't just come to one. I'm sorry. Seeing everybody, hugging everybody, just having everyone in that booth, being together, laughing again, hugging it out, talking about our shared experience. That was that stands out in my mind so much, as does seeing the group all together on the Marvel Day at Sea, which is our first return. Um, all of those had significant impacts on me this year, and, and as I think about them, but it. It all comes back to the community and all of us being together in various places, no matter where we were. Um, it's just the the fact that we were in a room together with no masks on and we could smile. You're all right. You're all 100% right. Because as I was articulating the question, the one word that popped in my mind was people. And it's, you know, it, it, it takes people to make a dream reality is true, not just for cast members in the parks, but all of these things don't matter if we're not able to do them and share them and experience them with other people. And I don't have any one specific moment or memory because there's some that are community-based, things that we did together in person or even online. Like when we get together on a Wednesday night and and gather around sort of the virtual campfire for the for the live shows – that's impactful for me. There's also individual moments that I had with people that are are are, are truly profound and, and I'm grateful for. And, you know, again, without sort of being overly exaggerating, there's sort of life-changing things that happen because of the people in this family and, and in this community. And I continue to see it on daily interactions that, that take place online at meets of the month on the cruise at Expo, at Star Wars Celebration. Um, it, it is a remarkable time that we live in where we who are like-minded and the like-mindedness does not necessarily just come from our love of Star Wars or our love of Daredevil, of which I hope you all agree, but it's this love of what I think Disney still and always, and with all the things that are right and wrong and change, it's what Disney represents. And that's the thing that sort of brings us all together um virtually and and in person and and i'm incredibly grateful for the in-person part because as somebody who believes and always has and always will that nothing beats a handshake and a hug it, it absolutely is true and uh lisa and becky and jeremiah because you are not in the room with me i am giving you all incredibly long borderline uncomfortable virtual hugs as i am to you our friend who is sitting here at the table with us and, and hopefully that's how you have felt on this show on every show and every event whether you've been at the physical table with us or we've been able to share it with you through this past year on shows and on live broadcasts um, I have always wanted and always want to make you feel as though you are at um, this table and you are participating you're not listening to but you're participating with us um, as we discuss it so uh thank you for an incredible 2022 as well as thank you uh, lisa becky and jeremiah very quickly tell people where they can find you on i mean they'll find you in person too but where they can find you on the interwebs my name is lisa denoto glasner you can find me on my site the castle run and on instagram and across other 
sites as the castle runner. Um, I also have a shop called Core Memory Candles where you can bring the scent of Walt Disney World in your vacation home. Um, Jeremiah Good. I like long walks on the beat. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I am very active on Laughing Place because that's kind of who employ me. Uh, thank you indirectly, Becky, as always. Uh, um, I have Instagram Laughing Place, Instagram Jeremiah. Uh, we still kind of use that Twitter thing for now. Uh, laughing underscore place is on all of our socials and Jeremiah Good, one word, is me on all of the socials. And you can find me at Becky Mankin across all the socials, also at mei-travel.com or mousefantravel.com. And sometimes at wdwradio.org. Uh, thank you guys again for an incredible 22. I cannot wait to see, hear, and taste what 2023 has in store. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Best meal you ate in 2022, go. 1923. Yeah. I had one. The filet at 1923. 1923. I enjoyed... Actually, I enjoyed On the Wish, the the quick service booths. Like, yeah. even the <gasps> Mexican booth was amazing. The taco place yes. was so good. That was the best lunch place ever. The pizza wasn't bad, yeah. What is the one thing you're looking forward to in 2023? Happily Ever After and Takumite. <laughs> Uh, Tron, Light Cycle Run. That, I cannot wait, even though it's been you know, 20 years and it works. <laughs> uh, WDW Radio trips to Italy, finally, after three tries at this thing, and Wyoming. And other trips to be announced very, very soon. I know. Just getting back <laughs> I'm trying very not to give that away. Shh. I'm, I haven't even told you about the other one yet, so... time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history, or see how well you pay attention to the details which you see, hear, taste, or remember. If you think you know the answer, you can enter for a chance to win the Disney Prize package. And once again, this week's trivia contest is brought to you by you. And what I mean by that is, as part of the WW Radio Nation, you literally help bring every episode of the show to life, every live broadcast, the contests and giveaways, they're all not only thanks to you, but by, for, with, and about you. And you can find out how you can help the show for as little as a dollar per month and also get cool exclusive rewards every month like scavenger hunts, trivia quests, be part of our group video calls, get access to our private Facebook group, join me on the show, shirts, stickers, monthly care packages, and much more. It's not only a way for you to help show your support, but for me to give back to you and say thank you for the love and support and friendship and help you continue to give me and the show and, in turn, our Dream Team Project, which benefits the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. And I'd like to thank some new and longtime members of the Nation family, including Pat Kirsch and Lizzie, Alex Avaland, Amanda Messina, and going way back to the very, very beginning of the nation, one of the very first members of the nation since January 2015, David Potts. And remember, none of this happens without you and every member of the nation family. If you want to find out how you can help the show, please visit www.radio.com support. Now, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. 
So last week, I asked you to tell me which of the three all-star resorts was the last to open. And it's important because the all-star movies, sports, and music resorts are actually, well, were sort of operated as three separate individual resorts, but now sort of work as a single resort and sort of under the all-star umbrella. But they actually opened at three different times. All-Star Sports opened first on April 29th, 1994. All-Star Music opened a few months later on November 1st, 1994. And All-Star Movies opened January 15th, 1999. Once again, thanks to you and everyone who answered and got this one correct. And last week, you were playing for a WWDO mug, pin, and mystery prize. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is... Nancy Kowalczyk. So, Nancy, congratulations. I have your address and we'll get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay. Because here's your next chance to enter in this week's challenging Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, I was having a conversation with some folks earlier this week about the objectively, quote-unquote, best Walt Disney World attraction and that's a separate conversation for a separate day and or a separate show because I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well but it was interesting and wonderfully surprising how many people mentioned Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress my heart swelled because I love Walt I love Carousel of Progress I love the history but I digress but it was the inspiration for this week's trivia question so I know you've probably been to Carousel of Progress more than once so let's see how well you pay attention Because what song does the sun play on the phonograph in the second scene of Walt Disney's Carousel of Progress? I'll give you a small hint. It's the 1920 scene. What song does the sun, Jimmy, play on the phonograph? Now, I would normally give you until Sunday, December 24th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern, but chances are you'll be pretending to be asleep in your bed waiting for Santa Claus to come down the chimney or just in the midst of a holiday feast, no matter what it is that you celebrate. So in the interest of fun and fairness and family and friends and festivities and food, instead, I'll give you until Sunday. No, wait. Instead, I'll give you till Saturday, December 31st at 11.59 p.m. Eastern. Again, I know you're going to be busy, probably waiting for the ball to drop or sleeping. That's fine, too. But either way, I'll give you until the end of the year to answer this week's final trivia question of 2022. And because it is the end of the year and because I am in the holiday spirit and because it is maybe a little bit challenging, I'm going to give you a special extra bonus prize for this week's trivia contest. So good luck. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy Festivus. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy whatever it is that you celebrate and have fun. That is going to do it for this week's show and maybe for 2022 as a whole. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much for being here this week, this year, uh, whether you just found the show or you've been with me, with us, with our community and family since the very beginning. I love and appreciate you so, so very much. I'd love to know and hear from you what your most memorable moment from 2022 was. Come be part of the community and the conversation 
over in the WW Radio Clubhouse at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. You can also connect with me elsewhere online. I'm at Lou Mangello on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Be sure to like the WW Radio page at facebook.com slash WW Radio. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, you can email me, Lou, at www.radio.com. Or if you want to be heard on the air, be part of the show, you can leave a voicemail by calling 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1 with a question, a comment, an end-of-the-year thought, or just a hello from the parks, or your home, or your car. It doesn't matter. And as we look to the first of the year, turning the page to the next chapter in our lives and our businesses, if there's some way that I can help you personally turn what you love into what you do with one-on-one coaching or being part of our weekly mastermind group or coming to one of my Momentum workshops in Walt Disney World or retreats nearby, or if I can come speak to your business, your conference, your event, or your school, visit lumangelo.com. Reach out, find out how I might be able to help you. Thanks again to Becky Mankin and the entire team over at Mouse Fan Travel for a remarkable year. You can visit them over at mousefantravel.com. I'll have more announcements coming soon, but if you want to find out how you can join us in the parks at sea or on the road and around the world, check out our events page by going to www.radio.com slash events and stay tuned for more event announcements for 2023 and the future coming very soon. I will say, don't forget Walt Disney World Marathon weekend is the first weekend of January. Not only will our WW Radio running team be out there, but I and Becky and other members of the cheer squad will be out there as well. We'll look for you on the course. We'll definitely, I know, be at Disney's Boardwalk in front of the bakery for the full marathon because, hi, it's the bakery, and I and other members of the cheer squad will be out for the other events as well. Hope to see you out on the course. Start carb loading now, like me. I've been carb loading for years. If you like the show, and I hope that you do, please take a second, tell a friend, share it on social, take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to right now, share it on social, tag me at Lou Mangello. I will reshare it and follow you in return. And if you can, rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download and subscribe and listen to the show. And lastly, and I promise I will make this quick and not be sappy, thank you again for what has been a remarkable, memorable, and special year in so many ways and for so many reasons and none of that happens without you and I am very aware and very grateful today and every single day for you and the gift that you give me of your friendship and your time and listening and being part of our family and for choosing the good and having such a positive and profound impact not just on me but on others. I hope that whatever you celebrate, wherever you celebrate, and whoever you celebrate with this holiday season, that you find and share true love and peace and joy. And keep in mind that the holidays are not about what you get, but what you get to give. Not in material things, or not even reciprocating what somebody gives to you, but having the power and the ability to be a positive light and impact and influence on somebody else, much as you've done for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a wonderful, safe, happy, delicious holiday. I hope that you get to spend it surrounded by those that you love and love you in return. You have been the greatest gift I could ever ask for. So thank you, I love you. Have a great holiday. And if I don't talk to you before then, Happy New Year. Let's eat. 
Lou Mangello. This is Andre Leonardo DiStefano calling from the cold New Jersey. I just wanted to call and really just wish you all the best and so much on your success with the WDW radio show. Congratulations on 700 shows. What a milestone. You know, thinking about it from a perspective of my own life and from a personal standpoint, I've been listening to WDW radio shows since the inception, since I think I was about 15 years old, which is so mind-blowing now, being almost 30, getting old, and um, really just branching out from a personal level and now following my professional life going forward and us working together at some capacity as well. Um, it's just so incredible to see the full circle moment, and I'm just so happy for you. Congratulations on all your success. You deserve it. And I really, really mean that sincerely. I hope there's another 700 shows down the pike and that we can continue this for generations until you're old and gray. But ultimately, man, I really, really wanted to wish you all the best and hope you're doing well. Thanks for being such a great host a great interviewee, and more importantly, a great friend. Take care. Hello, Lumangela. This is David Dossi. And Julie Dossi. Calling in from Ocala, Florida. And we just want to say congratulations and wish you a happy 700th episode of WDW Radio. Uh, we we love the show and the podcast and all the live videos, um, but we especially love the community and your philosophy of positivity and choosing the good and I think it's safe to say that we have incorporated that into our own philosophies as well. So we'll keep this brief, but we just wanted to say thank you for all that you do, and happy 700th episode. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Hey, Mr. Lou. This is Emma Merwin from San Antonio, Texas. I am congratulating on your second conference episode. I'm very proud of you, And... Me and my family want to wish y'all best wishes for you and your channel. I also host the Talking Nifty Project, and you were one of my special guests. So congratulations again, Mr. Will, for your second cover episode. Talk to you later. Bye. Hi, Lou. This is Catherine. And someone else from Massachusetts. You're very helpful. <laughs> and we're calling to wish you a very Merry Christmas. <laughs> I was going to say happy 700 episodes, but also Merry Christmas. Uh, we love the show. Yes. We've been listening for a really long time. When did you start listening? When you were like, I, I no, it was before 500. Yeah, it was before 500. Like, That's like 437 or so. Yeah, and I've been listening even longer than that. Because now you're yeah. 13. You were a lot younger then. But we're really excited to call you to share this momentous occasion yeah. with you. And we wish everybody out there in the nation a Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and happy holidays and a very, very happy new year. Love y'all. Yes. Say bye. Goodbye. <laughs> bye. Bye.